And we are back in WHIP studio for episode nine of Philly versus the World. Chris Kovsky, Drew Bishop, and John Iliano, the voices of Philly versus the World, guys. A lot of topics. We're just going to go bounce right into it today. No playing any games. I'll start the first topic, guys. And my question to you guys is obviously Rob Gronkowski, he retired yesterday on Instagram. So it's a two-part question. Is Rob Gronkowski a Hall of Famer? And is Rob Gronkowski the best tight end of all time? Yes, to me, Rob Gronkowski, he is a Hall of Famer. He played in eight seasons, 115 games, 7,861 yards, 79 touchdowns there is no doubt about it he is a hall of famer he revolutionized a tight end position he was a new breed of tight end a big physical tight end that can go up and get the football now talking from a standpoint as is he the best tight end of all time no i think he's number two or number three i think unanimous unanimously the best tight end of all time is tony gonzalez of the atlanta falcons and the kansas city kansas city chiefs he tony gonzalez played 17 seasons in the NFL, 1,325 receptions. That's second all-time. Not of just tight ends, but of receivers all-time. He's had 111 touchdowns. And and John today made a great point on our show saying he hasn't really had a lot of quarterbacks to play with that are good. He's played with Trent Green and Matt Ryan, and that's about it, and a bunch of other scrubs. And, you know, Rob Gronkowski, he's had it pretty good playing with Tom Brady his whole career. Mm-hmm. So I think Tony Gonzalez is the best tight end of all time. He's more of a traditional tight end. Yeah, Rob Gronkowski will block, but Tony Gonzalez is the type of guy in a three-point stance lining up with the offensive line who's going to block for you, who's an old-school type a tight end. Rob Gronkowski is more of a glorified wide receiver, which is okay because he's made a living out of it. And maybe if Gronk played more than eight seasons and stayed healthy, he would be the best tight end of all the time. But mm-hmm. right now, there's no doubt about it, Tony Gonzalez is my best tight end of all time. Yeah, Chris, I feel like it's it's oftentimes underestimated that you know Gronk has played on a team where he's been the primary offensive option for most of his career. And you know, as far as this question goes, yes, obviously Gronk's a Hall of Famer, but I'm really, really hating the the 12-year-old kids from Massachusetts that are on social media that are even bringing up the question that Rob Gronkowski could be the greatest tight end of all time. In my opinion, he's not the greatest. He's not the second greatest. He's not the third greatest. He's not even the fourth greatest, personally. Wow. I, I think I think he might crack top five when it's all said and done. I bet, I bet you put Jason Wynn over him. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And you're you're looking at it and you're saying, you're saying, I mean, you still got Greg Olson playing, you still got um, Jimmy Graham playing. I don't think either of the guys will surpass him, but they're close to him in numbers. You got guys, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, both very primetime tight ends who still have a lot of career to go. Gronk is not close to, to the best tight end of all time. You're looking at, if you want my rankings, John, it's I'd take Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Jason Witten, and Shannon Sharp all over Rob Gronkowski. Easily, as far as career numbers, as far as career accomplishments, and guys who have played with worse quarterbacks than Rob Gronkowski. Frankly, you're playing with the best quarterback of all time, probably the best system of all time. It's great to see his career. It's great to see him go out on his own terms. I know he was a great blocker for this team this year. Hall of Famer, not the greatest tight end of all time. I'm in agreement with all of you guys. I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I wouldn't say he's the best tight end of all time because, to me, Tony Gonzalez, I'm with Chris here, Tony Gonzalez is the best tight end of all time because I'll give you the names of the quarterbacks that he played with. Matt Ryan, Trent Green, Elvis Gerbach, Tyler Thigpen, Brody Croyle, Damon Heward and Rich Gannett. Please. Yeah. This guy had to play with scrubs. Yeah. And Rob Gronkowski has the benefit of being with Bill Belichick, like you said, in that system. Mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels, who's a good play caller, and Tom Brady, 
who's probably the best quarterback of all time. Yeah. So when you add all that up, he better have put those good numbers up mm-hmm. and be that dominant. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people put the in the equation of how funny he is, how great yeah. of a personality he is, mm-hmm. yeah. how much of a media star he is mm-hmm. into this. He's and that's not for fair. this world, for exactly. this age in this world. Exactly. Yeah. And that's not fair. That's not being a Hall of Famer. When you discuss somebody whether or not they're a Hall of Famer, it's their play on the field. That's yeah. that's part of the reason why Terrell Owens didn't get in the Hall of Fame the first time around was because the Hall of Fame messed up, and they were assessing what he did off the field. That's yeah. not what the Hall of Fame's about. Yeah. And, and, and to jump off that point, a lot of people factor in other stuff, but you got to factor in, you know, the stuff that isn't involved with the play that, but does affect the play, like durability, Gronk's injury history. Yes, exactly. A lot of people want to play the if, the what if game, like what if he was healthy, you know, what if this, what if that. They got a Super Bowl without him. You know, yeah. So you look at it, you say, you know. From his highlight tapes, you could say the eye test tells you that Rob Gronkowski is the greatest player of all time, the greatest tight end of all time. But if you look at the bodies of work, you know, having that durability, having that long length uh, of span where you're not going to be injured is important. It's more important than a lot of this other stuff, like the stuff off the field that that people tend to bring into a measurement perspective. So, F- final, just quick question before we wrap this up: first ballot Hall of Famer, yes, Rob yes, Gronkowski, first yeah. ballot, yeah, first I, would, ballot, I would say, yeah. I would say so too, no doubt, probably. Star, biggest star in my era. But, um, guys, segueing off of that, you know, it is the offseason of football, and we want to talk about stuff that's in the here and now. And as of this podcast recording, we are through with the first round of the NCAA tournament, probably one of the most exciting weekends in sports that we experience. Guys, there has been minimal madness, as it's been a generally a rock chalk type tournament. We only have a 12 seed and a 5 seed in uh, Oregon and in Auburn. But, guys, I want to get your thoughts specifically on this Duke-UCF game. And when we talked last week, I told you that this was the matchup I was looking for most of all, and it came to fruition. The two freakish bodies of the NCAA facing off in Taco Fall and Zion Williamson. It was amazing to see that finish. But, guys, I'm disappointed in this NCAA tournament this year for that reason, that there hasn't been the madness. You know, we've seen amazing comebacks and, you know, so, some stuff that's gone down on the wire. But all in all, you know, the best teams have been winning. And I thought that this UCF win over Duke would have been the exciting moment that I would have needed to keep myself engaged in this mm-hmm. tournament. You know, it was so awesome. Yes. And to see the, it rim out twice at the end with those two tippins was just killer. And, and as someone who, I, I don't know, to the left of me, a guy who owns a Duke shirt, I was a kid growing up rooting against Duke. And it was just, I just wanted it so badly, even though I love Zion, I love his personality and, and how he's changed the game. Uh, I would have loved to see this shake up. Guys, how did you really feel watching that game down the stretch and seeing how it, what happened? I really liked the ending of that game, as everyone did. And I don't think we'll ever see in this entire tournament a better ending than that. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a game-winning buzzer beater. We haven't had a buzzer beater Win have we so far? Oh no no no! Oh, in the in this, in this year's, tournament, this year? yeah, yeah. No. I haven't gotten it. I, I well, not really we a buzzer have... beat, but like LSU Maryland game that came down to the buzzer. LSU made a shot with like four seconds left on the mm-hmm. clock. But okay. we haven't seen a buzzer but, like the yeah, classic. You know, exactly. Villanova UNC yeah, is probably. We haven't seen that. I'd say this UCF Duke game is the second best NCAA I've ever seen. I've ever seen. I've ever yes. I was the Snow same exact UNC. same exact way. And to answer the question, is Duke vulnerable? Obviously they are, but I think Coach K, now he's going to gather his team around. He's going to say, guys, look, we messed up here, here, and there. We've got to clean this up. And that's part of the reason why I have a Duke shirt, because I love Coach K. Yeah. Not only as a coach, but just as a human being. He's 
he's the godfather yeah. of the NCAA. He is. he is. And here's a little thing I want to run by you guys. How about Johnny Dawkins, the head yeah. coach for UCF? Watch out. When Coach K wants to get out of here or wants to retire, I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny Dawkins becomes the head coach of wow. Duke. Wow. Wow, that's something. That's that's a bridge right just, there. Just because of the good game they played? No, like, because what, there's a what's, connection. What's because Johnny, connection? Johnny okay. Dawkins used to work for Coach K. He used yeah. to be on Duke's coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has the pedigree. He absolutely he has the pedigree. And, you know, it was awesome to see his son go off yesterday. It so, was. See Aubrey go off. I mean, as Temple fans, we've, we've, we've seen it before, you know. Uh, it was so exciting. And I almost felt a tear stress go down my cheek for oh, the absolutely. UCF guys. I, you know, you could just see the fight and the effort and down the stretch they just made all the shots they had to make how, how about this is an, another game that hasn't gotten a lot of hype but it should how about the Baylor and Syracuse game yeah oh my god three pointers mm. after three pointers to start out the game I believe yeah. Baylor made six three point shot or uh what was it four three point shots to start out the game consecutively it might have really? been six Really? Yeah. It was, the beginning of the game, yeah oh my God! Know, the beginning of the game was, was unbelievable. Was but game. throughout this, I just want to say, throughout this entire process of the NCAA tournament, it's been kind of disappointing in terms of madness. That's what I'm saying. It's all rock chalk. It's all. Yeah. I'm rooting for Auburn at this point as a sleeper team. And they I'm won surpri- the SEC. I'm, I'm surprised by Auburn's performance yeah. so far. No, but I, I didn't. Well. I didn't expect them to go this far. I, I had them getting out in the second round. Really? Yeah. yeah I, Chris, what do you think? I kind of agree with you guys. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I didn't, I didn't watch the Duke game. I was working, so I only mm-hmm. caught the end of it. But Dude, I, what? You chose work over Duke? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's I need, a I bad need, decision. I need the it's money. But, it's like uh, choosing alcohol I, I, over your kids. Yeah, I could report <laughs> that my bracket has busted quicker than some kid on a prom night. So. Yeah, because you chose <laughs> you chose Cincinnati. You chose Cincinnati. And, and that's okay. In your final four. I, I don't care. March, whatever. But I agree. It, it hasn't been madness. It's either been, you know, a blowout or, or that's it. There have been a lot of blowouts. It, yeah. it, it, there's no, there's not really any close games. Like you said, the, the buzzer beater games. Um, but to answer your question, is Duke vulnerable? I have them winning it, but I always think these one and these two seeds, they're the most vulnerable teams in the tournaments mm-hmm. most of the time. Because guess what? When a, when a five seed like Auburn wants to play – Duke, and they say, hey, we're a five seed. They're a one seed. And Duke's like, we're playing an SEC Auburn team. This is nothing. And, and, and Auburn says, yeah, well, we're the five seed. We'll show you what. Those one and two seeds, I think they're always most vulnerable. I even thought that Iona was going to upset UNC the other day. And uh, I thought it was looking well for a while in the first half. Iona kind of fell apart. But yeah. I, I haven't really been impressed with, with, with tournament games so far. Right. It, it's either been a blowout or, or that's it. I mean, yeah, a few upsets here and there. UC Irvine, Oregon upsetting. Um, if you want to call Purdue upsetting Villanova, even though Purdue was the higher seed, yeah, I don't know. It's just you know, hopefully in in the Sweet Sixteen, there's a little bit more action and madness. But I, mm. it hasn't really caught me engaged yet. Yeah, you know I, some of these games. I agree absolutely. But you know, segueing from Duke, we're talking about Duke's vulnerability. Let's go back to the NFL, a team that's looking quite vulnerable right now after having a, a messy season and off season. The Pittsburgh Steelers. NFL Network is reporting that the Steelers are discussing a contract extension with Big Ben Roethlisberger. So, guys, with this being said, we're kind of looking at an Oklahoma City Thunder-type situation. Did the Steelers make the right choice choosing Big Ben over Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell? I'm going to go first and say, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and as much as you might say Ben is messy and as much as you may criticize him as a person, the quarterback position... For, especially for the Pittsburgh Steelers, is far more important for them to secure Big Ben than Le'Veon or, you know, Antonio Brown. 
you're looking at the wide receiver in the running back position, James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster, are both adequate guys coming up. So what? You let go of a 31, uh, let go of a 31-year-old wide receiver. I mean, uh, that might be a win for you, depending on how it turns out for Antonio Brown this offseason or this next season with the Raiders. You know, I, I don't know what direction the Steelers are trying to go at the moment. If they think they're still contenders, or you know, if they're just trying to you know honor Big Ben and what he's done for the program. But if I had to choose between one of those three, I'd take the quarterback at the end of the day because you know Charlie Whitehurst isn't gonna you know lead you anywhere. You know, I don't even know who their backup is at this point. But it's, I, uh, it's Josh Dobbs. Okay, Josh Dobbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about that guy. He's throwing... or how about the guy from Oklahoma State? Mason, Mason Rudolph. Rudolph. No. They got hey, they got to Josh Joshua Dobbs from Tennessee. Yeah, okay. they don't like Josh Dobbs anymore. That's why they drafted Rudolph in the second round or third round. Yeah, I don't think they like any other backup quarterbacks. Yeah. That's why they're signing Big they Ben to Big an ben. extension. Yep. Uh but guys, what do you think about this? Do you think they made the right decision? No. Absolutely, absolutely not. Big Ben is thirty seven years old. I mean that's we, where I was going with it, we, too. Yep. We, we, we criticize the, the Giants for keeping Eli Manning, and, and really, what's the difference? They, they no, both, come on. Ah. Ben, Ben's, be, Ben's way they better than Eli. They two, two, two rings. Yeah, yeah but okay. no, no, no. We're talking about right now, Let's though. Ben's, Ben's yeah, better right, right now, right now but, than But he's Eli. 37. He's banged up. And guess what? I think we're going to see Big Big Ben really vulnerable this year because I don't think he's going to have a great year with the receiving core he has. I expect really? Juju Smith-Schuster to not, not struggle because of his performance, but I just don't think that he's going to be ready to beat double teams. They're going to double team him a lot this year because they don't have a really good. They lost second. Jesse James too. Yeah, and they don't have really a, a valuable second receiver right now. And I think teams are going to, you know, double team Juju because they say, okay, if we double team Juju, then what? We're going to make you throw the ball to Connor Short, throw it to Vance McDonald, Eli Rogers, James Washington. We'll let those guys beat us, but we won't let Juju beat us. And it does seem like, from what we're hearing from AB and what we're hearing from Big Ben and some other players that Big, uh, I'm sorry, about Big Ben from AB and Le'Veon Bell is that Big Ben's kind of the root of all this chaos going on. That, that, that A.B. and Le'Veon has said, you know, Big Ben's kind of the reason, one of the reasons why we left. And if he's the cancer, then why are you keeping him? He's 37. I would have much rather keep Bell, who's younger, more explosive, Antonio Brown, a bit younger, a bit more explosive. I would have liked to keep one of those guys. And I know that you're saying it's tough, you want to build it around a quarterback, but when will the Steelers ever be able to find a wide receiver like Antonio Brown? Sure, we might think Juju might be that guy, but will he ever really be as good as Antonio Brown? Will anybody ever be as good as Antonio Brown? Mm-hmm. And Le'Veon Bell, sure, James Conner is good, but is he really going to be like Le'Veon Bell? We saw it. He was good, but, but Le'Veon Bell not being there, the Steelers didn't get to the playoffs. I'm in like somewhere in the middle here because I purgatory. You should, you're in purgatory. Yeah, like I'm conflicted because you should go with the quarterback at all times. But in this situation, I would roll with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown mm-hmm. just because of the age. Big Ben, he's 37 years old. He doesn't seem like a good leader right now. There's a lot of shade going at him for purposely fumbling the ball. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. Yeah, that, that was that whatever. was bad. It, and honestly, it looked like he did fumble the ball on purpose. That was just a terrible handoff, and that uh, it was just a bad look on him. But if I was the Steelers, I would have just found a way to make it work for all three of them. Like, this is a relationship game. The NFL is about relationships. Andy Reid was always a big guy about relationships, and that's one of the reasons why he's so successful, despite not having a Super Bowl ring. But this game, it, just in life, it's about relationships. And if you have this great of a talent around you, you got to find a way to make it work. I think the root of the problem is not only Ben Roethlisberger, but Mike Tomlin. Mike yeah. Tomlin lost the control of these three guys, mm-hmm. and that should have never happened. But I do have confidence in the Steelers and finding an extra receiver. They just signed Dante Moncrief. They have a guy in James Washington who they drafted out of Oklahoma yeah. State who's a nice deep threat. 
So they're always able to find receivers, like we mentioned before, Mike Wallace, Heinz Ward, uh, all the other guys. Mm-hmm. And then they also have James Conner. I think that's what they looked at. We have James Conner, Juju. Yeah. We'll stick them with Ben Roethlisberger. We'll see what happens. And I still have the Steelers winning the division. I still have them beating out even the so-called favorites, the Cleveland Browns. Because I don't see the Browns. I, I just don't. I don't see the Browns being this competitive as a lot of people may seem hmm. or make it seem. Well, we'll have to see. I, I don't know. There are a lot of people in your camp, though, in the main sports media market that are picking the Steelers, and it's not its not that risky of a pick, honestly. It's not. They're really not that bad of a team. They're you not. Know, it's just a big name. It's just big, dramatic. It's yeah. a big drama scene, and so yeah. people always like are very quick to make a reaction to it. But we'll see. All right, guys. You know, you know what time it is? What time is it, Chris? It's 429. Oh, okay. It is time for <laughs> You know what really grinds my gears? You know what? I'll go first. You know what grinds my gears? People that, you know, you're in the same field as them trying to do work, and then they yell at you for being loud. And it's like, <laughs> hey, we're in here. We're trying to do a podcast. You know, we love sports. We're three dudes in a room talking sports, a lot of testosterone, a lot of sports here, and we get fired up. And so what sometimes we yell? So what, I have a New York attitude. So what, John has a Philly attitude. So what, Drew has a Ohio boy attitude. Who cares? Who cares I like to yell sometimes? Guess what? I don't care because I'm trying my hardest. And while people are doing their own thing and I'm doing my thing and you're going to come in here and say, can you quiet down? You're being a little loud. Well, guess what I have to say? Too beeping bad. I, I didn't curse this time. I said beeping. All right, you're good. Too beeping. But it's bleeping, not beeping. Too beeping bad. <laughs> I don't care. We're talking sports. We love sports. I love radio. I love W. I love WHIP. I love you, Chris. And I love you guys. And I'm going to talk you. as loud as I want. And if I have something to say, I'm going to scream about it. If John's being a jabroni, I'm going to let him know he's being a that's jabroni. Fine. I'm going to let the whole world, know, everyone know John's being a jabroni by me yelling about it. So that's my beef today, guys. That really grinds my gears when people call you out from showing passion and love. You know what? Let's just give the listeners some insight on the situation that Chris is... <laughs> Grinding about, so you the guys, people it next your, to us. It yeah, grind your gears no, too, it does guys? grind my gears. But you kind of took my grind my gears. But you just took it over to the top. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. But yeah, yeah. So I spoke. No, for we all, have. I spoke. Yeah, you spoke for, for all, all of us. us. But right now, currently, we have this group in the next studio lined up next to us. And every week now, they like to come in before we start our podcast and tell us to keep it down, <laughs> because they're afraid that their listeners will hear us. But well, I can hear them as exactly. we're doing our thing. Yeah, exactly. I could hear them in their little mouse or tiny mouse voices, whatever they have. <laughs> their Talk, rational uh, voices. Yeah. Talking politics. Talking politics, whatever. So that's just a little bit. No, thanks. I'll have a salad instead. Yeah. <laughs> whatever that means. Whatever that but, means. All right. coffee. But in terms of what really grinds my gears, I swear, I don't have anything. I've had a pretty good week. But I will go along with Chris. <laughs> This is what really grinds my gears. Tell us, John. Let it out. The people that feel entitled. Yeah. Drew and I were going off about this earlier before we started our podcast. I'm going to go back to the Tom Izzo thing. When people were upset about Tom Izzo yelling at his player and saying that was way too much, I even saw a guy on Twitter say he needs to resign immediately. What? Why does Tom Izzo need to resign? Because he yelled at somebody? Are you kidding me? We live in this society where you get participation trophies. I, when I grew up, I got a second-place trophy so many times in my life where I lost count, and I threw them out when I got home. They got to stop giving out second-place trophies, participation trophies, and as a coach, I, I coached basketball back in my hometown. 
I used to yell at my kids whenever I wanted, and they didn't. They knew how to take it. You got to be able to learn how to take it when someone's yelling at you. This is 2019. We need to grow up here. And Chris, get off your phone because you're interrupting me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh gentlemen, yeah, uh, it really grinds my gears when people are entitled. Uh, like I feel like a lot of times, like people who don't grow up in family environments where like y you don't get complete silence whenever you want, you don't get to just have the environment that you want whenever you want. People don't understand it because because they haven't been through times where you know and stuff like that. But I, I kind of want to counter your grind my gears with, with another grind well, my gears. One thing, and then they have the guts. The same people have the the guts to ask us for a favor. Yeah, right. Oh, do you have an adapter? Yeah. Get the heck out of here. Get the heck out of here. After you just yelled at me. Yeah, after yeah, you just yelled at me. What can I do for yes, exactly. your highness? Yeah. What can I do for yeah. you after yeah. you just yeah. yelled at me like my mother? I'll give yeah, you exactly. an adapter. But, or Drew, go ahead. Uh, I want to counter your ground my gears because it was something I talked about on my earlier Temple Talks Philly show at 2 o'clock um, was the Izzo thing. But my stance on the Izzo situation is that it's being talked about too much from both sides. I think it from is. the I think from the side, I, I think from the soft side, quote unquote, uh, you know, it's poor for you to sit there as a basketball fan, even a casual fan, and look at Tom Izzo and say, you know, he needs to resign. Well, this guy's a legendary coach, and clearly he wasn't out of line. His players don't think he's out of line. And, and him getting a little fired up in a tournament game, that's a, a one, a, a win and, and continue or a lose and be eliminated, uh, intensity is high. But on the other side, the people who grind my gears are, are people like like you guys, who I, I heard you guys talk about it on your first segment of the show. Uh, and I feel like a lot of times it's just like a, I'm tougher than you competition with the participation trophies and the, mm -hmm. and you whine about this and you say, oh, and Scott Van Pelt goes on and he, he gives his monologue. That was a great monologue. I, I by think the it was way. unnecessary. I, really? You know, I, I think yeah. I, I thought that you know it's well spoken. Obviously, he's in a room with a bunch of writers and he's reading off a teleprompter. That's great, SVP. You know, you're awesome. But it, it's not something that needs to be paid attention to. If you really think someone's that soft, leave them alone. Let them be soft in their own world. Tom Izzo's going to be just fine. And and you know what? Everybody's got to be tough, and everyone's got to say it's 2019, and we're soft, and our society sucks, and participation well, you trophies. Do you, don't but, you don't you agree that we but, do suck? But there, and like, there are, it's there a bad are, society. There are people that go over the line with the, with the softness, but I feel like those same people are looking for an issue, and then people like you guys who t who complain about them are also looking for an issue. Yeah, but they like, started this battle. But yeah, we're defending. But we're says. defending ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was raised to take this as criticism. It, no one's gonna be nice to you in your life if you suck. Especially, you're doing especially something in wrong, this business, people man. are gonna yeah. let you know. I mean, I mean, I've had coaches yell at me before, and, oh, if yeah. I ever, and if I ever had a problem, my dad would say, "Suck it up." No, You're yeah, and, and I always sucked it up. I, I had plenty of coaches yell at me too, and I stand with you guys as far as you know. Izzo is perfectly fine, and that's a part of the game. But I think that when you see someone on Twitter say, you know, it's soft or this or that, or they need to resign or, or, or yada yada, who cares? Who cares? Why do you have to go out there? And why does SVP have to come out and be like, oh, no, it's unnecessary. Leave it be. Let those soft people have their own standards. Let them have their own personal agendas. But it's not going to infiltrate the system. Sports aren't soft. You know, you could say rules change. But as an overall, yelling and intensity are all a part of the game. And it's not going anywhere anymore. And about soon. podcasting. Yelling is about podcasting. Yelling too. and podcasting some, is very important. But some people just, just don't see it, it like that. And it's, it's not okay, but it's, I guess it's okay. But I'd say that that really grinds my gears. You know, entitled people, people who, yeah, who you know, who's, you know who's entitled Penn Staters, man. I can't Penn not stand uh, Penn State kids. That's a that's a whole other day for a podcast. Oh, we can talk I about. I cannot Penn State stand kids. Penn State kids, and I don't care if they're listening right now. But All let's right. move on. You think we have a big Penn State? Uh, I know fan? a couple of Penn Staters that listen to this. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't care. That's I, fine. I don't care. They're a bunch of entitled pricks. I don't care either. This particular one knows that I'm talking about him. All right, let's move on. All right, let's go. All right. All right. Let's go. Are the Phillies the team to beat 
and the National League. Not the National League East. Chris wants to make it the National League. I'm talking about the National League. Okay, and I'm going to say no. They are not the team to beat. Honestly, I don't think they will win the National League. I think they'll get in the playoffs. I think they'll win the NL East, but I don't see them winning the NL just because experience matters in postseason, and I don't think this Philadelphia Phillies team has enough. Given that Bryce Harper has been in the playoffs a long, for a while now when he was with the Nationals and a couple other guys on the team that have come through, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, Arietta, J- Jake Arietta, yeah, all those guys. I just don't think the whole team as a whole has enough experience to – really make a run in the postseason. And that's why I don't think the Phillies are the team to be in the NL. The team to be in the NL, I would say, is the L.A. Dodgers. Yeah, mm. yeah. They've been they've been in the World Series uh, multiple times these past mm-hmm. couple of years, and their team is still young enough to get them there. And, and John, I'm so happy you didn't, you didn't pick the Phillies. Well, no, because, I'm objective against no, because, uh, for you know my what? teams. You, you've been, you Unlike must, you, man. You must be paying attention to baseball a little bit more. And of course. I'm, I'm very proud of you. Um I agree on that aspect. I disagree with the Dodgers um, just because they they lost Machado, and it was a rental contract. We knew that. But, but they, they had the third baseman coming, though, right? right? They, shortstop. Oh, they, shortstop. They have Seager guy. coming back. Seager. A- and Seager's young. He, he's good. But they didn't really do anything to improve their roster. They signed A.J. Pollock, and, that, and that's great and all, but he's had injury concerns. He's more of a top-of-the-line guy. And, and Kershaw has been banged up a little bit. Walker Bueller is a little banged up. They're both supposed to miss opening day. So their their rotation's a little, you know, weak. I mean, you you, got, you have Bueller, you have Rich Hill, you have Kershaw, you have, you have Ross Stripling, who's a guy who can be, you know, reliever and a starter. But they didn't really do enough for me to say that, that they're the favorite to win the NL. I, I think their team got a little bit worse just because they lost Machado, and, and, and we knew that was – Gonna happen, but then they didn't take a stab at him again. They didn't try to. They, they could sign Keuchel. They didn't sign Keuchel. They they lost out on Harper. And, and to me, they're probably the second best team in their division right now. I think the Rockies will beat him out. But as far as the favorites, no, I don't think it's the Phillies. Do I think the Phillies would make the playoffs? I think they'll win a wild card spot. Um, but as far as my favorite in the NL, it, it's the it's the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, they went out there and they got Paul Goldschmidt, who is almost in the category to win MVP every single season. He just got a bunch of money. Him in that lineup with Marcelo Zuna, with Yadier Molina, with Matt Carpenter, with a young guy like Harrison Bader, who's start Bader, who's starting to come up, who's a good defensively and a good contact hitter, with Paul DeYoung, Dexter Fowler. This is a team with a lot of great hitting, and I know they have a first, they they're kind of have a first year manager. Um, their, their starting rotation could use a little help, but I think they have guys that are young and they're relying on them. Jordan Hicks, their back-end rotation, who could throw over 100 miles per hour, is going to be one of the you know, best back-end guys again this year. And I think the Cardinals, they're a team, when you talk about experience, and although they have a young coach only in, in his first full year, the Cardinals are an organization that knows how to win. And they get to the playoffs. It's, it's their winning mentality. They do. It, it, it's the front office down to the field, doesn't matter. I believe Mike Matheny, he made it there in his first or second year with the Cardinals. So I think the Cardinals are definitely the team to beat. They have the lineup. They're pitching. You know, they're going to make a move. Their pitching is there. And I just don't think, you know, I just think Paul Goldsworth's going to win MVP and he's going to lead the Cardinals to, to the World Series. Yeah, no, uh, Phillies are not the team to beat in the NL. And uh, part of this is because their division. Their division is, I think the only lock for the NL East at this point is that the Marlins are going to finish dead last. Yeah. If you looked at the four other teams, you know, each of those four fan bases can make an adequate argument for why their team should be in first place. Braves, Nationals, um, 
I'm blanking on the on Phillies, and then the third, the fourth, Mets. Mets. Mets, Mets, obviously. Those four teams, I've heard adequate arguments from all four fan bases as to why they should win. You know, even with the Nationals losing Bryce Harper, it's still not a foregone conclusion. So you look at their division, you say they're not even the team to beat in their division. Then you look farther in, and and John, I completely agree with your point. You know, every every year the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw are hanging around, right? So when they be the team to beat, and I understand, you know, with the moves of St. Louis, you could say that. It's a situation where in baseball, it's not as definable to say there is a team to beat because offseason moves don't make as much of an impact. And say you transitioned the Phillies offseason into football or basketball. The Phillies would be the team to beat in the end, in period, in the entire league of, of either of those leagues because they acquired so many stars. They acquired Real Muto, who, who might finish top 10 in MVP voting this year. You know, you acquire one of the best players in baseball in Bryce Harper. You acquire uh, an Andrew McCutcheon, who is not the Andrew McCutcheon of but still, it is solid a, a solid player who can contribute to your squad. So, no, they're not the team to beat, but I think that they are the team to watch in the NL. I agree. That's a good point. I mean, they, they, they've they made all these moves, so the spotlight's going to be on them, especially more than— As it should be. And it's more from probably fans in the outside world, because in the outside world, people are saying, this is a good team, but they're still relatively young. I mean, mm-hmm. besides Harper, who is still young, a lot of these guys are just coming up, you know, in the next— Two or three you, years. It's a young team. You need a bullpen to win, too. Yeah, exactly. So it, it'll be interesting to say, but the the spotlight will be on the Phillies this year. The, mm-hmm. the whole division, the spotlight will be on. Absolutely. Well, speaking on a different team in Philadelphia that has the spotlight on them constantly, the Philadelphia Eagles. They haven't addressed the running back position at all this entire offseason so far, and it's kind of grinding my gears, actually. <laughs> because it's the biggest need on the team right now. And just like that, John, something's pissing John off. Yeah. <laughs> right now, bring this question that pissed me off. So, guys, what should the Eagles do to fill that spot? For me, they lost their opportunity when they let Tevin Coleman go to the San Francisco 49ers on that cheap contract. <laughs> but then again, I'm looking at these mock drafts. I see a lot of Josh Jacobs going to the Philadelphia Eagles at pick 25, and I'm not buying that either because, one, the Philadelphia Eagles, they don't they don't invest high in running backs. They're showing you right now, we don't, we're don't we not going to invest that much money in a running back position. We don't draft running backs all that high. I mean, in fact, I think they will go after Miles Sanders, Penn State. Mm. Penn State makes another appearance on Philly versus the world. Oh, God. But <laughs> – I think that guy, he has he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear in college. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He's got a lot of talent. He might not be the fastest guy, but this guy, he's a smart football player, and he runs through the hole really well. Not to the hole, runs through the hole, mm-hmm. which is very important to a run, with the running back. Marshall Falk, he always talks about that. He's, qui- he's a little bit quick, yeah, too. And, he and he's got some size to him. He's a little bit of a thumper. But also, I'm going to go to Josh Jacobs' teammate. Damian Harris, a guy who I've been keeping my eye on these past two years. I like him a lot. I think the Eagles are going to draft a running back with one of their second-round picks. And, you know, Miles Sanders, you made a good point. He, he's kind of getting overlooked because think about who he's had to succeed. Exactly. Saquon Barkley. Yep. No matter what Miles Sanders did, he would never live to what Saquon Barkley did. And a lot yep. of people are sleeping on Miles Sanders. And, and I think Miles Sanders and Benny Snell Jr. from Kentucky might be the two most underrated running backs in this draft. Even and, Bryce Love is not yeah. getting any love. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, and, no pun intended. And, and, but I understand the love yeah. Bryce Harper, Bryce Love is not getting it. It's because of his injury. But I'm just saying, yeah. Snell and, and Sanders, these are guys who are going to go. 
round two, round three that are going to be starters for a while for these teams. So, you know, John, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think the Eagles would be smart to get Jacobs in the first round. I don't think any of these If he's were, there in the second round, yeah, take and him. And I don't think yeah. any of these running backs are worth a first-round pick unless you're dying to take one. And I don't think the Eagles should be dying to take one because they have a lot of picks. If they really want a guy, trade up, trade up to the number eight or number nine pick in the second round or number ten pick. Then get Sanders or Snell. Or Montgomery from Iowa State. Get or one, Singletary from or FAU. Or Singletary. There's so many yeah. second-tier guys that you know. And, and not a lot of teams are looking for running backs. I mean, if you think about it, right now, a lot of teams have their number one running back in the NFL. I mean, the Eagles need a running back desperately, but I'm trying to think. And, and, and there's not really a lot of teams that desperately need a number Miami one. Miami needs a running back. Well, they oh have, yeah, they they need a lot. They have a they lot. Need a lot more That's than and they're and and they're, and yeah. they're late, and they're and their last concerns are running back because they yeah. have Kenyon Drake right now. And I'm not saying he's great, but he's they need a, guy a quarterback better too. Than what he, the Eagles got. He, yeah, they, they, Kenyon they Drake's a, a guy too. that can get you there till next year when you want to figure out what you're dealing. Yeah, with. Yeah, Kaleem Balaj. Yeah, and, and if I actually if I'm the Eagles, I'm I'm trying to get Jordan Howard from the Bears. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he would fit them perfectly. I think Jordan Howard really got disrespected last year. I think he's a good running back, and I think. Because Matt Nagy likes to have a flashy offense, which is fine. He fell in love with Tyree Cohen, and I think Jordan Howard lost some love. I think yeah. he could definitely be a guy when he gets the, t- the volume to be a thousand-yard rusher each season. And I think he's a guy. He's not great at catching the ball, but he could be. You don't get the chance to. He's a bruiser. He's a guy that can take the ball twenty-two to twenty-five times a game. And essentially, I think that would be perfect for the Eagles' offense. Now, I'm not saying you go up there and give a second-round draft pick for him, but maybe a third, maybe a fourth. If the Bears are looking to get rid of him, because if you think about it, the Bears, they also signed another running back, too. They signed Mike Davis. So it seems like they're really trying to push Jordan Howard out of Chicago and let Tyree Cohen be the featured back. So the Eagles, you know, at the right price, should try to get Jordan Howard. And you can still get one of these young guys to help compliment Jordan Howard. Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard, that fixes a lot of your running back problems now. Oh, I get to talk now. Okay. Um, I'm very, very... I'm sorry, Drew. Uh, I'm ve- yeah, with about 45 to go. Uh, <laughs> I'm very, very happy with this topic because it means, you know, after the, the Coleman release, it just shows that the Eagles are falling apart at the seams in the only way that they needed to secure something to make sure that Carson Wentz has a balanced offense. You know, you're. I'm so happy that you guys are talking about rookie prospects and who's going to, you know, be, you know, in this draft that the Eagles are going to get because it just means that we're going to get another year of an imbalanced Eagles offense where Carson Wentz throws 45 passes in a game and I get to laugh and sit back on my couch and just, just enjoy the day. Just enjoy the time. Oh uh, that being God. said, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, I believe, has the third most yards of um, of anybody in his draft class since he was drafted. So yeah. he is a very good option for this team if they can snag him. But if they don't trade for somebody, they're screwed. If they get a first, if they get a, if they don't get a first round back or they don't trade for somebody, they're screwed. If you invest in a in a back in the third round, you're gonna have another Josh Adams situation where you're you're trying to assemble a committee and it's not really working, and you know you're dealing with the the lesser of the evils. Eagles are in trouble, man. Eagles are in trouble. Well, I don't know about in trouble, trouble because the draft hasn't arrived yet. If they, if the draft comes and it's not here and they don't have a running back, then yeah, they're in trouble. And, and if they bring in a guy like Jay Jai back, I'll, I'll go down to Novacare myself and I'll play running back for them. <laughs> really, John? Yeah. I, I I've heard some you know tape about you in high school. You were a pretty good running back, right? Did not play football in high school, so I don't know where you're getting this information. <laughs> I heard he was a great left tackle. <laughs> left lost, out. Lost a lot of weight since left, he got here. Great left out. Yeah. <laughs> no, not you at all. You were great in cooking class, right? All right, we got to move on. All right.
All right, fellas, it's time for buy, sell, or hold. I'll go first with this one, guys. Bryce Harper would, will hit over 35 home runs this season, buy, sell, or hold. I'm selling this. I think he'll hit maybe 30 to 32 home runs, over 35. That's a little bit of a stretch. Personally, I think he's going to be the type of player where it's either going to be what Giancarlo Stanton struggled with last year, home run or strikeout until he gets adjusted to the stadiums in there because you know he's going to try to pull the ball over the short porch in right field. So I'm going to sell that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm selling this as well to, to think that he could get – you know, over 35 and, and and go off that much. You, you think about baseball hitting percentages. And I mean, I mean, they hit, the best of the best will hit once in three times and might be a single for crying out loud. So, no, I'm selling this hard. I, I agree with the park standpoint. I'm going to buy this because he loves hitting at Citizens Bank Park. And now he's going to be able to play 81 games at the bank. That's good math, kid. <laughs> wow, that is great math, by the way. But I think – the fact that the, sh- the right what is it right field or left field that's so small at the bank what is it right field right field is so small and it's so short it's so close to the plate where I think Bryce Harper's just gonna have a field day I think he's gonna hit thirty six home runs how do you like that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> all right speaking of a home run hitter Deshaun Jackson will he have over a thousand yards receiving this upcoming season and I'm going to sell that because not that he's not capable of getting a thousand yards i just think that there's other targets around him that are going to get the ball before him zach Ertz is the number one option alshon jeffrey's number two and then the running game is going to come in and i think deshaun jackson at best will probably get 700 yards receiving Mm. yeah i'm going to sell this as well because i don't think deshaun's going to play all 16 games of the season Mm. i think that you know as an older back you know he might have hamstring older back Uh, older receiver receiver, my my fault he might deal with you know some hamstring issues you know he's running a lot running off uh depending on how they really manage him but i I don't think this is a thousand yard receiving season they don't need that from him this year yeah i'm gonna sell it as well too many weapons i mean Ertz. Aguilar, Jeffrey, whatever they do at running back, it's going to be tough for Deshaun Jackson, who's a number three option on this team, to get a thousand yards receiving this year. I'm not buying it. I'm selling this one hard. Mm. All right, guys. Uh, moving on. Buy, sell, or hold. Jacob Degrom or Noah Syndergaard will win NL Cy Young. I am buying this simply because all I've heard about is Noah Syndergaard from Chris all year, and you know that <laughs> might. I don't even know his. I don't even know, I don't. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. It's Cindergard. Who cares? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, sure. I, look, I, I'm buying this because I think this is a breakout year for Noah Cindergard. I think he leads the NL in strikeouts. I think he kind of finds his zone. He's gonna be moving. They have him using using the ball more up in the strike zone to try to strike out batters. I think that's really gonna help him when he could go 99. To 100 miles up in someone's face, I'm buying it that he yeah. might win the Cy Young. Don't feel bad, Drew, because he's been saying T.J. Hawkerson for T.J. Hawkinson. I've heard you. I've heard you mispronounce multiple football players' names on this podcast alone. You said Kenyon Drake, and you said it's Tur- Kenyon. It's Kenyon, yeah. and then you said what did you say? Tariq Cohen or something? You misspelled Tariq. No, I said Tariq. Cohen. No, he said Tariq Cohen. Did he? Yeah, okay, he did. my fault. Then you only won. I said Kenyon. Oh, I said Kenyon Drake. Kenyon. And it's Kenyon. Like the country. Yeah. No, it's. I'm pretty sure it's Kenyon Drake. Kenyon. No, it's Kenyon. It's, it's pronounced Kenyon. Kenyon. That's I've Kenyon. heard announcers pronounce it Kenyon Drake. I don't know. I think it's Kenyon. No, I'm, I'm telling you. I, I had him on my fantasy this year. I was know, looking at his name. I'm telling week. you. I've heard, I've heard Scott Hanson pronounce right, Kenyon whatever. Drake. Whatever. He's not even on either of our teams. Who cares? All right? Buy, sell, or hold. Duke will win the national championship this year. I'm buying this just because I have him in my bracket winning it. <laughs> I think they're the best team. I think with R.J. Barrett, with Cam Reddish, with, with – uh, 
Jones with with uh, Zion. That's the best starting you know five in basketball. I really think that this is a special team. This is Connor Munzer, that Kentucky team with Anthony Davis on it. All the talent they had there. It's a you know once in a generation type of team. I don't think anyone's taking down the Duke Blue Devils. I'm buying it, and I don't think that I need to give an explanation for it. And I am selling this because I don't think that the best team in college basketball always wins the championship in It's the hottest team. It's the hottest team. And personally, if I had to make my bets, I'm going to say that Duke's not going to be challenged like they were in the round of 32 until they get to the championship against, uh, I believe, UNC. UNC. That would be a great matchup. I think UNC will be the one to take down Duke in the final if I had to predict at this very moment. I do not think Duke will win the national championship. All right, guys, for our final buy-seller hold, my Dallas Cowboys acquired Randall Cobb this past week, one year, $5 million to replace Cole Beasley. Buy-seller hold, Randall Cobb will be a lethal weapon for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys this year. And obviously, I'm buying this because Shocker. Randall, Randall Cobb, upgrade from Cole Beasley in my personal opinion. I mean, he does things on the field that Cole Beasley could never do. You know, run away from a defense, run away from a defense. And his experience, the fact that he's a pro bowler, a thousand-yard receiver, he is something that even if he underperforms from his peak performance in, in like 2014, I'm still happy to have him in the slot because he can play in the slot, the backfield, on outside, wherever you need to put him. And he will provide a distraction no matter what. So, yes, he will be a lethal weapon for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm also buying this, and I actually think that if Randall Cobb stays healthy this year, he could have a better year than Deshaun Jackson can with with the Eagles just because Randall Cobb is going to be relied on to be the number two. Dude, have you gone to a different dealer or something? (laughs) He's going to be relied on to be the number two target there. No. He's not the number two. Number target. two. He's not not, not even number three. He's not going to be. He's number probably two. number three. I, I think don't he's even number say two number target. three. I think Ezekiel Elliott in the passing game is number three. No, I think it's 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 Amari, Michael Gallup, and then Randall Cobb. You think Michael Gallup is going to be a better weapon than Randall Cobb? Yes, this he's year? he's out. He's a big. He's, yeah, he's going to be playing on the outside. I don't know. I think Randall Cobb. to Jason Witten might have it. I role. think Randall Cobb <laughs> to Dallas was a great move, just because the Cowboys have always, you know. They never really had a good one-two wide receiver punch. It's usually like they have one good wide receiver and one good tight end. And I'm not saying Randall Cobb's the same guy he was three years ago with Aaron Rodgers, but he still has his skills. And he's a good wide receiver. He's quick. He's fast. He's going to help a lot on slant routes. He's going to line up a lot in the slot. It's going to be a nice little security, as like John would call him, dinking Dak passes when he's going to throw a little four or five-yard slants for Randall Cobb. The biggest thing for Randall Cobb is he could stay healthy. If he could stay healthy and get back to anywhere close to where he was three years ago, he's going to be a real big help for Dak Prescott. And I think he will stay healthy and be a lethal weapon. I think lethal is a wrong word to use uh, for Randall Cobb. All right. Will he be a good weapon for Dak? Yes. And it was a good signing. But lethal, eh, I don't know. Lethal to me is Pro Bowl year. I don't see Randall Cobb mm-hmm. having a Pro Bowl year. But he is going to get a lot of first downs coming out of the slot for the Cowboys. So I think he'll be a good weapon. So to answer the buy-seller hold, I'm selling it. He is not going to be a lethal weapon. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. The question should have probably been rephrased because it is. He's, his position isn't going to make him lethal. But, yeah, I agree. All right, fellas, that is all the time we have here today in the studio. For From Chris Kosky, Gian Iliano, and Drew Bishop, the Philly Versa World Guys, we thank you. Have a great week and enjoy it. And I wonder if we were loud during this entire process because, you know, we got neighbors over here. We're yeah. too loud all Tweet the time. at us. Let us know. We'll relax. Yeah, you know what? Actually, you can follow us at Philly Versus World underscore on Twitter. Let us know. 